As the world is writing a new story of global kinship, Postmodern Missionary dives into what it means to be a missionary pushing against the heritage of colonialism. Join Reverend Katie Meek as she explores life and faith in Sierra Leone. Hello, and welcome to episode zero of the podcast, Postmodern Missionary. Um, so I wanted to record actually a couple of introductory episodes as a way of getting you acclimated to who I am, what in the world I'm doing, why I want to have this podcast the way it is. So um, <clears throat> what I want to do it, with this episode is specifically talk about what I mean by postmodern. Um, I've tried to do some writing on this as well, and I've had several people ask me the question, like, what do I mean by postmodern? <laughs> and um, as it turns out, it's a it's a pretty big subject, and it occurred to me that um, I came through college and seminary, my master's degree, uh, at a time in which the it was kind of a buzzword, and so I just heard it in every class. We talked about postmodernism, um, but a lot of people have come in... Um, like went through school before that and maybe even after. I don't really know what's happening in the universities, um, at least overseas. We don't actually talk about it too much in my university, to be frank. Um, so I wanted to give a bit of an overview of specifically what I mean, because I've done some thinking on it. Um, and even though it might be a relatively confusing word, um, I think it does encompass who I am and what I'm about in terms of um, being a missionary. So um, I want to talk about that. But before I do that, I want to, uh, we're doing th three things today. And I'm trying, I'm going to try and be concise because I am a preacher. And that means that I like to talk. <laughs> um, so, uh, but what we're doing today, um, I want to introduce myself, number one. Number two, I want to give you just a quick idea of the three goals that I have for this podcast. And number three, um, I want to give you um, five things um, that encompass what I mean by postmodern. So that's what we're going to do. And it's just going to be off the cuff, just me talking. Most of the format of this podcast will be me talking to other people. Um, but you get to hear me talk today. So um, so my name is Katie Meek, Reverend Katie Meek. Um, I come from the Dallas area in Texas in the United States, um, North Dallas um, originally. And I serve, um, I served churches through the United Methodist Church, the Central Texas Conference, annual conference, um, in the Fort Worth area, just outside of Fort Worth, and then also just outside of Austin, uh, the capital of Texas. So, um... I'm kind of a church kid. I grew up in a church, and I won't go through my whole testimony. <laughs> That'll be for another day. But um, I felt called into ministry very early on and um, wanted to actually be a Christian singer, a la Stephen Curtis Chapman. Um, but then that transitioned pretty seamlessly into um, into ministry in the local church setting. Um, but the truth is, I was one of those church kids who went on mission trips, a lot of them. In fact, we hosted mission trips as well. And so I've seen 
I think the good and the bad of that, I mean, I think I've been formed by that. Um, but also looking back, I see how, um, probably how we did a lot of work, but relationships weren't necessarily formed. And, um, so it, it, you know, in some ways that mission work might be, might've been relatively transactional. Maybe we'll talk about that. Um, anyway, essentially I've been formed by the good and bad of kind of the short-term mission movement. Um, and, uh, it, in many ways formed me into the kind of person who, um, who loves culture, loves different cultures, loves, um, people of different cultures and really wants to get outside of my own, um, kind of limited perspective. I think all of us have limited perspectives specifically. Uh, I come from an American perspective that's limited. So kind of want to get out of that. So early on um, in college, I went on a couple mission trips and felt called to become a missionary, but also wanted to be ordained. So I kind of went back and forth. Do I get ordained first? Do I become a missionary first? Do I get ordained first? Do I become a missionary first? And I got ordained first, which I think was really the right decision, um, and served churches in Texas, really two churches full time um, in Texas as pastor. One is the sole pastor and one as um, associate pastor and um, got my kind of sea legs under me for ministry learned that preaching is like my favorite thing and um, but then um, along the way I sort of kind of forgot about the missionary thing until I remember sitting in an office and at this I mean it was like the dream church that I served wonderful wonderful people wonderful ministry that we were doing all the things and I remember thinking I think there's more um I think there's something different for me. I think there's more for me. And um, so my sister um, talks about discernment, at least discernment with me in a very wise way. <laughs> She'll say, when I'm trying to agonizing over a decision or trying to figure something out, my sister Sarah, she'll say, well... You know, God has a way of sitting on your chest, Katie, until you can't breathe anymore. And then once you can't breathe anymore, you have to do it, <laughs> which um, is it feels uh, like a, a really good um, way of describing actually my relationship with God. So um, God was sitting on my chest for I mean, uh, we started a, a mission ministry with the United Methodist missionaries in Panama at the last church that I uh, where I served. And um it didn't take too long for me to just really feel uh, like like my wind pipes were starting to restrict, <laughs> um, like the fire in your belly kind of thing. And um, so I just decided to take the leap. And um, wanted to serve in Latin America because I speak some Spanish. And then I got an email from Global Ministries after applying. And they said, actually, we have a place for you in Africa. <laughs> So I interviewed for a place in Eastern Africa, and then they called me back 10 minutes later and said, actually, we think you're a better fit for Sierra Leone. So um, I came to Sierra Leone six months later, sight unseen, having never been here. Sierra Leone is, is in West Africa, um, and uh, I'm working 
with the United Methodist Church here, which is long established and very, very active. Um, and the bishop, when I first came in, had, had recently opened up the United Methodist University. There's one school that's opened as of yet. We're in the process of opening our second school. And um, the school that is open is the School of Theology. So it actually uh, was pretty seamless that I came just straight into teaching. Um, early on, I taught English and um even though I had, uh, that was quite a learning curve <laughs> because my expertise is uh, in theology. But um, then I started teaching some Wesleyan theology. Most recently, I, I taught um, homiletics, which is the art of preaching, which is my favorite thing. So that was very fun. Um, and I think next semester, I'm supposed to teach a history of Christianity one. Um, so, and I've taught some congregational care as well. So I, I teach at the university and we also, I also kind of travel the country uh, connecting with churches. Um, essentially my, my job is education. Um, and uh, really honestly for me, part of what I see as my job is, is, um, forming relationships. So even if I don't actually do anything quote productive, um, just the ability to go and, um, serve the church and be a part of the church and lend my, uh, my gifts and receive their gifts and be church together. Um, I think that that's transforming for me and for everyone. So that's what I do. Um, so that's me. What else do I like? I also super like TV. <laughs> I'm a big television fan. Um, I do a little bit of art not too much um and um spend time you know hanging out with friends and that sort of thing i'm a pretty just like regular joe also a preacher regular jane that's probably more accurate i'm a regular jane and i preach um i've told recently like i think maybe my only gift my friends gave me a hard time about that but my main gift is inspiring people. There's not a whole lot more than that. Everything comes in under that. So um, <clears throat> there you go. That's me, Katie. Um, my students call me Reverend Meek, which is challenging for me. I have to remember. Reverend Meek. Um, and uh, I've been here since November the, sev uh, the 16th of 2017, a year and a half. And my... Um, the commitment is for three years. Uh, and then you can sign on to stay or I could go home. And I'm still discerning what the Lord wants um, in that respect. So that's where we are. I decided to start a podcast mostly because I like I like podcasting. I like podcasts. I think they're fun and I think they're instructive and I think they're kind of easy. Like you can just put it in your ear and hear in, in many ways in long form um, a fascinating somebody's fascinating story or ideas that make a difference. And it's not just, you know, a quick interview or a quick something or other, although you can get that, too. Um, I just. Uh, they, you know, while you're, while you're doing the dishes or while you're working or, I mean, working in the house, cleaning in the house or working out or whatever. 
Um, but essentially, I also, when I first um, started researching Sierra Leone, I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked and looked for things online um, that represented the best of Sierra Leone. And in many ways, what we get instead is like the worst <laughs> of um, the history of Sierra Leone. Like you hear about the war and then you hear about Ebola. And then right before I moved here, the, the mudslide happened. Um, and, um, you know, you hear about uh, death rates with malaria or uh, matern maternal death rates. Um, and uh, it's so it, it's so just the the bottom half of um, what I have come to know and love about this country. So um, I really have three goals for this podcast. The first one is really to connect with you guys at home, to especially people who um, want to be a part of what God is doing here and of um, the good things that are happening here. Um, if you um, are not necessarily, uh, don't use God language, um, but what's, what's good here. Um, so... And specifically, the, like the people at home who keep asking me how things are going and that kind of thing, I wanted to get like it's it's so hard to put it into words, and so um, you know, on a, like on the fly, where it's like, oh, well, things are going great. Do you, how much time do you have? <laughs> so I thought I'd actually give the time and see if you guys actually want to take the time uh, to listen and hear. So you're going to hear from um, the bishop about the university in the next couple of um, episodes. You're going to hear about from a lot of my friends here. Um, you're going to hear, uh, I think, hopefully from me and my perspective and my joys and frustrations about um, life in, in another country with a culture that's so different than mine. Um, and then also you're going to hear about ways that you can get involved. Um, ways that you can um, you can join the party, so to speak, <laughs> and um, that. So number one is to let you guys know about my work here and my life here and all the things. Um, number two is I, I really want to elevate Sierra Leonean voices. Um, I you know I hear about Sierra Leone, um, but you don't often hear from Sierra Leoneans, and as it turns out, <laughs> um, they. Uh, are a mixed group of people with lots of gifts and lots of wisdom and lots of perspective to offer the world. And um, if I hadn't moved here, I wouldn't have ever known that. And the truth is that that's true of every people group across the world. But I want to give, the give you a particular, this is my particular space. And um, I think that Sierra Leoneans have so much wisdom to offer the world. In fact, sometimes I'll be in class and there will be things that, that God is just starting to teach me um, and that m the students here get very quickly and in a deeper way than I do um, because um, God speaks differently in different cultures. There's wisdom in different cultures. So um, so anyway, you you will have one of the premier philosophers um, in Sierra Leone who's also the vice chancellor of the university. You'll hear from him and get ready for that. You're going to have to put your listening ears on and your thinking brain on um, to, uh, but it will be a gift. I like, I'm hoping to get another interview with him. Um, we talked for two hours and didn't actually even get to the topic that I wanted to talk about. Um, so we'll go back to him, um, Dr. K. Roo, Professor K. Roo. 
you'll hear from um, another colleague of mine, Dr. Moiba, who is um, who, who is a three times master's degree and um, uh, a uh, PhD in lots of different things. Um, who's just a wise and intelligent man. And uh, eventually you'll be able to hear from the uh, missionary, other missionaries who serve here uh, who are doing uh, specifically United Methodist Women's Work and the women, uh, women's leadership for the conference, all the things. I mean, there's just so much beauty and wisdom here. And I just want you to get to know the awesome people that I've gotten to know. So that's number two. That's number, two. number three is um, I would like to join in the um, global conversation around globalization. I think that the world is rewriting um, the script because we are so easily accessible to one another. That means that we have to figure out how to relate well to one another. And I think that we can do that in really negative ways that look like um, huddling in and circling the wagons. And I think that we can do that in really positive ways that look like having an open-handed posture to the world. And um, I just want to enter into that conversation and create one little corner of space um, that talks about what that looks like. Um, because I think this is really important. I think this is life or death to be frank. Um, I, I think that um, main wars can be started around misunderstanding and, and the inability to hear and see and respect. And I think that what God is calling us to do is to um, see the Christ in each other and to see that we are, um, that we are all children of the living God um, at our fullest height and to hope that for each other. So before I start preaching about that, that's number three. <laughs> so my three goals for this podcast are number one, to give you an idea of what in the world I'm doing and um, in a way that feels a little bit more relational and authentic. Um, number two, to give you a chance to um, hear about Sierra Leone and specifically to hear Sierra Leonean voices um, speak their own wisdom to you and to get to know them. And number three, um, to enter into a global conversation around globalization and global kinship and what all that looks like. So I guess they're kind of big, but I'm super excited about it. And I, and I'm hoping, um, that it will be, uh, both illuminating and, uh, and, and challenging in some ways, but then, um, also that you'll enter into the process because the truth is, as you'll see in a minute, when I start talking about postmodern, <laughs> postmodernity, um, we're still writing the script, like we're still figuring it out. And, um, you're a part of that and I'm a part of that and we all have to kind of step in and do the thing. And the only way we're going to do it is by stepping up because our instincts is, are to like hunker down. But I think we ought to step up. So, um, I mean, and one disclaimer on that, I probably will say things that in, in writing or in a different atmosphere, I might put differently. I have a tendency to put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> 
So I hope that these will also be grace-filled conversation and grace-filled listening um, so that if there's something that pushes against you or you think, I can't believe she said that or thought that or whatever, that um, we give each other kind of the benefit of the doubt also to recognize the faith and the earnest desire to live and learn um, together. So um, yeah, there you go. Because we're just figuring it out. So... If I have some kind of a transition music, it'll be right here. So the last segment that I want to do is to talk about what I mean by postmodern. I'm going to get my little notes here just so I get it right. Okay, so here's the thing. Postmodern, like I've tried to write about it and I have written about it and I'll link to the blog um, on my show notes on the, um, on my website, which is postmodernmissionary.com, BTW. Um, It will be updated and all brand new and spanking and pretty um, when you, when you get to it as well. But I'll, I'll link to the blogs that I've written on, um, in the show notes. But the truth is that like, it's, it feels slightly paralyzing when I try and start talking about it or writing about it because it is so big. And, um, essentially it's a, it's a question of an entire worldview that is shifting from modernity to, post-modernity and um I'm not I mean like classes have been taught on this full semesters and so I'm not going to get into the depth of all of that um but I do want to talk um a little bit about what specifically I mean when I'm talking about post-modernity I'm not saying that modernity is wrong and post-modernity is right um I'm just saying that the world is shifting and in the process of that shifting and from the process of modernity we learn we have learned some things <laughs> and uh we've we've maybe learned how to um interrelate in a different kind of way so it is very easy to go into the weeds on this and i'm going to try real hard not to but here we go what i mean by postmodern there are five things the first thing that i mean by postmodern is postcolonial so colonialism started in the 1400s, something like that. Um, back in the States, we used to sing that song um, in 14... I th- I, the other day I said 1692. It is 1492. Columbus sailed the ocean blue, thinking that he was going to um, hit India, and then he ended up hitting the Americas. Um, so anyway... Essentially, what happened is the global powers at the time started to um, explore lands that they had where in which they have ne- never been to. Um, that was a really good sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> they started to explore new lands, right? Lands where they had never been. And by new, that's a, um, obviously they're not new lands because people had been there for centuries and centuries and centuries. Um, and that started um, a missionary movement. It started uh, a, a change in the global landscape. And the truth is that even though colonization has um, essentially been left behind, sort of, um, I mean, in, in the official old ways, it's been left behind. 
the effects of colonialism and colonization um, are really everywhere. And when you're used to it in your own place, you don't necessarily see it. But when you move to a place that is a former colony, um, it is, I mean, it's, it is baffling to me how much colonization continues to um, affect the lives of the people in Sierra Leone. And it makes me think that probably affects the lives of the people in my home country as well in ways that we just don't necessarily see. Um, And so what I mean by that is uh, by postmodern is that we are postcolonial, which means that we are pushing against a legacy of colonization, that there were things that um, ways in which people groups were significantly hurt, harmed. Um, And in the United Methodist Church from John Wesley, one of our three rules do no harm. Um, and I think that in many ways the global community failed that for a lot of people and um, you know you just hear it even by the languages that are spoken Um, I get I you know have the privilege of coming here and speaking English (laughs) Um, and essentially being able to function fine and and you and you can tell based on the country's um, main language around who who it was that colonized them Um, so and we still talk about the 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 narrowness of the road, <laughs> the roads here, and um, how that was uh, in many ways uh, a decision from uh, the British Empire. That because you know I I went to London recently. The roads are narrow in London too. They're pretty narrow in Sierra Leone. Um, I mean that's a small example of how there's just so much of colonization that permeates the culture, and there are people here who still remember it, um, and so. Um, I think that for me as a missionary um, I know that the missionaries who came before me who who were um, true in their intentions I would assume I mean we're going to give grace I'm assuming most of them were true in their intentions um, about recognizing or believing that they had a truth to be offered to the world um, that the world needed but in the process of bringing Jesus, they also brought their culture and said, this is this and, and did not differentiate in any way between Jesus and the culture. So not only do you have to kind of give up your old belief system, but the missionaries would say, but also that that comes with wearing different kinds of clothes and singing different kinds of music and having a liturgy that looks like this one. And, um, you know, all, all the ways that and, and I will say that even still when I come to when you come to to worship in Sierra Leone, the liturgy feels like home. It feels just about the same. Um, and the only thing that really is is very different um, is about half of the music, not all of the music. We sing the, the traditional hymns um, that sound very much um, European and American. Um, and then we have a time of what we call singspiration, and that's when we get to the heart language of the people here and um, to the to the styles of music that, that um, Sierra Leoneans um, bring to the table. Um, so I see it as my job as a missionary to start counteracting some of those old narratives around this idea that if you're going to be a Christian, then you have to be um, like the European or American Christians um, and rather start to empower um, the giftedness and what the people here um, bring to the table and um, essentially theologically um, 
instill in a new generation of people is what I'm hoping I'm doing. Um, this idea that, um, they have something to bring and not only do they have something to bring that God calls them to lead the ways that they would lead, uh, because they have wisdom in, in and of their themselves and their culture brings wisdom as well. Um, in the classroom, I have, um, I have two values. Number one, the details matter. <laughs> and number two, the world needs to hear your voice. And um, when I teach English and when I teach writing and when I teach preaching and when I teach theology, um, that is the basis of where I come from. The details matter and the world needs to hear your voice. And we need, we need um, the wisdom that comes from Sierra Leone. The body of Christ needs it. So, um, so what I mean, number one, is that it's post-colonial, um, which means pushing against that legacy of colonialization um, that says that the, the gold standard, the highest ideal, um, is Western culture, and anything below it, anything, anything different is below it. Um, I just think that's anathema to the gospel, and so that's what I try and do. Um, number one, that um, it's post-colonial. Number two, what I mean by postmodern is that context matters. Like context is everything, <laughs> actually. Um, and that's pretty related to the post-colonial uh, mindset as well. But um, I, it, culture is, and context is embedded and embodied. And so when, when I was early on learning about cultural intelligence, what we used to talk about is culture as an iceberg. Um, so an iceberg is, um, this giant, um, mass of ice right in the middle of the ocean. And, um, what you see on top is actually only a very small portion of what makes up an iceberg. Um, so the stuff that you see on top is the stuff that you, that's very obvious about culture. So, um, the stuff on top would be stuff like what they eat and, and what language they speak and what kind of clothing they wear and all of that. And by they, I mean us too, right? So, um, in Texas, we are all about our Tex-Mex and I talk about it all the time because it's an important part of my culture and it's a very visible thing um and what I what the sorts of things that I wear I don't necessarily wear the same things as people here in Sierra Leone um although I've I've come to take on much of that culture <laughs> for myself uh but there's the stuff that you see and that's um the, what's above the water um but the real juice of culture um are this the things that are not immediately obvious, um, that you don't necessarily see immediately. It's the stuff that you have to start to live inside that culture before you really start to understand it. So it's, it's things like values. It's things like, um, how directly, um, you communicate it's communication styles. It's understanding of time. Um, so in America, we, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but um, Dr. Mweba said it in such a really good way. Um, in America, we see is time as something that uh, is a commodity. Um, so time is money, right? Well, they would never say that here. <laughs> 
they see uh, time is almost something that ripens. And so um, it's not as though... Um, it's not as though you can waste time. It's just that you wait for the time for to be right. So there may be a meeting that starts at 10 o'clock. Well, the time may not actually be right here for the meeting to start until 11.30 or 12, which happened a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and as, a, as an American who thinks that time is money and I've got things to do and I'm very productive, blah, 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 that causes some conflict, right? Um, but, um, but the truth is there's wisdom in both ways of doing it. So another example is direct of speech. So um, where most of the time in the, like colder climate cultures, and this comes from a book that I will link in the notes, um, in colder climate cultures, so like in Europe and Northern America, um, <clears throat> they uh, people have a tendency to think it's respectful to just say it straight. Um, and so if you can't do something for me, then you just say, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. But um, in warmer climate cultures, um, they consider that kind of direct um, conversation as disrespectful and as creating um, environments wherein people don't um, uh, feel friendly essentially. So like, for example, um, in the book, I think she uses an example of w what do you do in, um, if you somebody asks you for a ride to an event and you don't have room. So in cold climate cultures, you would say, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't have room. I would love to accommodate you, but I can't. But in warmer climate cultures, you would often say times say, oh yeah, or we'll see. Let's just see what happens. <laughs> um, and uh, that in that way you maintain the respective community you don't reject someone right out that sort of thing um, and then most of the time what happens is things work out to be frank um, but uh, like in a cold climate culture that seems baffling um, so there's all of this culture um, and context that you don't actually see. It's not visible from the outside. You actually have to form relationships and get to know people in order to truly understand them and to truly um, experience them in their fullest truth. And um, and also th the, the stuff that's under the water, under the surface, is what creates most con conflict and what, what makes most people feel like that person, I just don't understand them. Um, I just don't understand those people. Um, but but uh, what post-modernity means is that the context of where people comes from matters. Um, and so in the midst of that, that means you have to learn their context and you have to own your own. So to say, this is the way we do it in my, in my country. And it's not better and it's not worse. It's just different. Um, so um, culture is in embedded and I like to say embodied. I used to play this game with my friend at the airport where it was like um, spot spot the European or spot the foreigner <laughs> uh, because um, people carry culture in their bodies. Just the way that they carry, carry their bodies is different. And that doesn't necessarily make that much difference to this conversation. I just think it's interesting. <laughs> um, so even like the, the amount of space between people as you're talking, what's polite and what's impolite. Um, you know, where I come from, it's kind of impolite to stand really close to someone while you're talking, unless there's some kind of circumstance that requires that. Um, but that's not necessarily true in other cultures. Um, so even just 
you know, body language and how all of that comes together can create conflict. And so to recognize that, um, the way that you carry yourself is fundamentally different than the way other people carry themselves. And that makes a difference in, in the way that you communicate as well. Um, in fact, I, I think I, um, a missionary friend told me a story about how for six months or a year or something like that, um, in, one of the Central African countries, he offended people every time at worship when he was giving his offering because he would place his offering with his left hand. And um, for people in that country, the left hand is for touching things that um, are like impure. Um, and so you don't shake people's left hand. You don't touch people with your left hand. And you certainly don't, don't do something as holy as giving an offering with your left hand. And he had no idea, right? So there's all of these things that you, that can kind of trip you up. Um, and a sensitivity to that makes a big difference in the, in being community together. So. Postmodernity. What I mean by postmodern is postcolonial. I mean that context matters, um, and and that um, knowing how context matters um, makes a big difference in the way that we do things. And I think that the early Christian missionaries did not understand how much of their context they were bringing to the people with along with Jesus. Um, so. So all of that kind of culture and context can be separated from the gospel because it's not the core of the gospel. Um, God embodies himself. Christ embodies, becomes incarnate in all cultures. And so that means in all contexts. And if you're giving Christ to someone else, you really should differentiate between Christ and your context. Number three, what I mean by postmodern is that we come to one another with a posture of humility as a humble listener. Um, I think there is something of modernity that we're, that kind of said, okay, well, I've got these things figured out and, and what I've got figured out is truth and everyone around me needs that truth. So I'm just going to go out and give it. Um, but instead of that, really what I want to do is, um, be transformed through listening. And I was just actually reading some quotes from Bonhoeffer, um, Friedrich Bonhoeffer. And if you don't know who that is, look him up. He's awesome. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but he um, did a lot of work around creating community, Christian communities. And he said, the first thing that you owe people is listening. Um, and that's the, and that's the most transformative thing that you can give them is to listen. And I will tell you that that is probably the hardest thing that I do. <laughs> um, because I don't know if it's just as a preacher or what I, I feel the need to be heard and not necessarily listened to. And so, um, to sit down and actually hear and give weight to people's perspective and differences. And, and, and even when you don't understand, have a posture of generosity that says there must be something under this that uh, could be nuanced by someone who who's been here longer that I don't understand. So rather than snapping to judgment, um, around, uh, the things that you, that are different, that seem, um, either frustrating or even counter to your values, stopping and saying, okay, wait a second, where's this coming from? And when you don't understand it, try and learn a little bit more. 
Um, so not coming in and saying, hey, these are all the ways that I have to offer truth to you or all the gifts that I have to give to you. You're the receiver. I'm the giver. Actually stop and, and receive what other people have to give. That's number three. Number four, the assumption that God is already here, wherever it is that you go. So when you go to a place or when you meet people who are different than you, to assume that God is already in them, God has already been at work here, God is doing something to redeem whatever it is that's happening in this place, God has embedded wisdom in all of this. And I won't go into a whole thing, but... Um, we talk about general revelation and specific revelation um, in uh, in theology, and um, this idea that God is always revealing God's self to the world. And general revelation means that you just have to look outside and look at God's creation to know that God is here um, and to experience God and that the Holy Spirit is at work in that wisdom, in that reality, in the very breath that we take. And so, therefore... Um, even if you go to a place that doesn't hold um, your religious beliefs, recognizing that God is at work there. And um, and even more so coming in, for me, coming into um, the United Methodist Church, where we, wherein we, we share the same beliefs, um, the joy of coming and just joining in on what God is already doing here and um, learning from that and experiencing that and uh, listening to the wisdom. And I mean, the, the bishop that I, that I'm serving under here, his name is Bishop John Yambasu. You'll, you'll meet him in a couple of episodes. Boy, is he the kind of leader that I want to be. And I have so much just enjoyed being um, under his authority and watching his joyful, courageous um, leadership style and 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 being able to sit sit and watch and soak up um, the kind of leader that makes a difference in thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, the kind of leader who is not afraid to step forward into the hard thing and the kind of leader who does it with so much joy and so much laughter and um, who is willing to listen and also make hard decisions. Oh boy. It's just, uh, just to watch what God like, and just to, to wonder at all the experiences that led this man to, to be the kind of leader that he is. And that's, and I could name a hundred more, um, that I see that way. And, um, so to recognize that God's already here and the truth is I get to meet God in a new way here. Um, so I'm not bringing God with me, although we all carry Christ you know, we can, we, we can, I can quote second Corinthians, like the best of them, Christ in our bodies. But, um, but to recognize also that other people carry him and he's embedded here and it's super awesome. So that's number four. And then number five is being under the authority of the people here. Oh, I just said that. <laughs> I just talked all about that. <laughs> Essentially, uh, the bishop's authority and also everybody else's authority. And to, um, uh, you know, I'm uh, I am a lecturer among many lecturers. I'm kind of on the bottom rung in terms of um, in terms of education. 
and all of that as well. And um, so I, um, I've uh, had to learn how to live in the rhythms of this place and to, um, and, and to live under the authority of, um, the people here. And, um, that's been fun and sometimes frustrating to be honest. Um, because I come from a, uh, from a efficiency oriented culture and I came into a community oriented culture. Um, which means that, um, that the use of time and the way that we schedule meetings and the way that we, you know, was just very different. Um, but at the same time, I heard somebody say, um, you know, you're, uh, it was another missionary maybe. And this is from a friend of a friend who, who quoted this person who said, you're never going to be able to, um, do anything in Sierra Leone unless you learn how to dance to their rhythm. And that's true. I think in any culture. And so learning how to dance to the rhythm of the time and the expectations of this place, rather than coming in and saying, you know what, let's do it this way. You know what, this would be more efficient. And that's number one, it's unhelpful. But number two, it's actually not very practical. Um, because, if, if I wanted to do that, I would have probably stayed home. What I want to do is come here and um, live into a different kind of paradigm. Not just, I mean, for myself, but also um, because I believe in the global body and the value of that. And um, I also believe that when we can't um, be under each other's authority um, and see each other as... Um, capable and and um in that way then um bad things happen you know conflicts happen and um and conflict is not necessarily a bad thing until it turns toxic so um <clears throat> there you go what i got is five things i mean by postmodern First, I mean it's post-colonial. Second, I mean that context matters. Third, um, I mean that we're meant to have a posture of a humble learner. Fourth, the assumption that God is already here and in every place in the world rather than me bringing God to that place. And fifth, being under the authority of the people here. And those are ways in which I think we are course correcting from what used to be. I think in some ways we did some harm um, by doing things the way we did them before. And as a, as a postmodern missionary, I believe, um, that I have some, um, I have a role in making things right. Um, so there you go. That is all the things. Um, so what's coming up next is a conversation with my with my missionary friend Emily about the word missionary and our comfort and or discomfort around that. And then we will launch in earnest um, with um, some episodes, interview episodes from Sierra Leonean leaders here and also from some of my expat friends who are here doing different kinds of work. Um, so I really hope that um, this is illuminating for you, that you can enter into the conversation and all of that. You can go to my website to learn more, postmodernmissionary.com and also all the socials. Um, I, I think the only one that's a little bit weird is Twitter. It's Postmodern Miss One. I think that's what it is, Postmodern Miss One, which I also think is kind of adorable. So I hope you guys like it too. Um, but on Facebook, I'm Postmodern Missionary and on Instagram, I'm Postmodern Missionary. 
So go find me and connect with me and um, we'll just have a grand old international postmodern time. Grace and peace. Love to all of you friends.